Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. Continuing our breakdown, heading into the NFL draft, we're looking at the edge class today. And the line recently has been blurred between edge, defensive end, outside linebacker, across the NFL, but even more so with the Miami Dolphins because this tends to be a little bit more of a positionless defense. But the Dolphins were active in free agency at this position. They signed Emmanuel Ogba. They signed Shaq Lawson. And they also, one of their bigger acquisitions was former Patriot linebacker Kyle Van Noy, who can play some edge. He can play inside. But regardless of where these guys line up, Paul, it's going to be a massive improvement. You look at last year, uh, Charles Harris played 429 snaps. Taco Charlton played 396. Avery Moss played 348. That's a lot of snaps for three players who weren't very good. It is, and I think we're going to see a vast improvement over them. And one thing I like with this defense is the more positional versatility you have. Flores likes to deploy the same personnel in multiple formations. So even you can't key off the personnel on the field. When, the, when these guys are out there, you, you, you basically may see the same guys and have a 2D lineman look. Um, you may see the same guys and have a five-man front that you're going to be facing. And you may not be able to see what it is right off the rip either when you first line up your offense. So look, kind of similar to what we saw last year where you saw players almost just wandering around as the offense was getting set and really having no idea where they were going to set up which side they were going to be heavy on. Uh, there's a lot to like with the way he does that. I mean, it, it takes a lot of discipline now, which is a thing I'm a fan of. Yeah, and that goes with the Shaq Lawson and the Emmanuel Agba signing, especially Lawson. He's a very disciplined player. Not the most explosive, but very, very strong at the point of attack. They were very soft edges last year. I was actually surprised that more running backs didn't, have more outside run plays or outside zone plays. So, yeah, th- those are two big signings. And, you know, they weren't very high on my radar at the beginning, Shaq Lawson and Agba, but I- I'm glad that they came away with these two guys because you're talking about players who are 25 and 26 years old, so only a couple of years older than some of the the players in this class here. And I also like the signings too because I'll be honest, Paul, outside of the first round, I- I'm not a huge fan of this class. 
There's some interesting players beyond the first round. Um, typically, if you get into some of those edge linebackers that are a little bit of pass rush specialists that are going to need some time to develop. But if you want a player that can defend the run and set the edge, you, you've got to look at the first round here. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And there are three uh, clear first-round picks uh, right now. Obviously, the number one player really in the entire draft, Chase Young, from Ohio State, everybody has him still going number two to the Washington Redskins. That hasn't really changed over the last six months. And when I did my consensus board, or what we call our master board, where we combine all 11 of the top draft picks, you can find that on our Twitter page, uh, 10 of the 11 had Chase Young as the number one overall prospect. So he's somebody we really don't have to worry about. He should be going number two to the, to the Redskins. Worst case scenario, number three to the Lions. But then there are two other players who are completely different types. You've got Caleb on chase on from LSU, who is a very athletic speed rusher um, that really came on toward the end of the year. One of my favorite players in the draft. I don't know if Brian Flores would feel the same way because we've talked about before where the dolphins seem to want to create pressure from the inside, not necessarily one of those screaming off the edge, outside linebackers but he has great pass rush moves he, he wins with a spin he wins with an outside rush only had nine and a half sacks in his career because a he missed the 2018 season and b um he also came on very late so but if you watch a few of these games against alabama and alex leatherwood or georgia and andrew thomas and isaiah wilson or texas and sam cosme he he beat up a lot of very, very talented offensive tackles. I think the best football is ahead of him, and he's only 20 years old. A.J. Epineza seems more like Brian Flores' cup of tea. I don't know if they would go that way and pick 18, but if he fell to 26, what a steal that would be. Um, he's very stiff and strong, Epineza, and he can use his powerful hands to shed and get, get into the backfield. Yeah, he didn't test out all that well, but I, I didn't think he was a great athlete but he's more of a strong at the point of attack guy. So Paul, looking at Chase on it and AJ Epineza, you know, where do you, where would you be tempted if you're the dolphins to take either of these players? I would definitely be tempted to take chase on at 18. And, and one of the reasons I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on him. I do see him a little more as a Brian Flores type player because he does have the ability to drop into coverage. He's not phenomenal at it, but, he's good enough. Uh, and, and so the fact that he can drop into coverage or rush the passer, he's a player that can be moved around a little bit. Uh, for Epineza, I'd be tempted at 18. And either one is an almost definite for me at 26 if they're still on the board and there's no real offensive tackle option available. I'd get excited if Jason were the pick. Really – either at 18 or 26. I mean, it would show that Brian Flores is willing to kind of step outside his comfort zone a little bit on defense to add a, a very, very talented player. I think his upside is, yeah, I, I think we may look back at Jason in, in five years, the way we looked at, at DeMarcus Ware when he fell out of the top 10 and say, wow, how did a player this talented fall out of the first round? Uh, or excuse me, fall out of the first 10 picks. And yeah, I, I do agree with you on that too. He is, He's not completely one-dimensional. Uh, he can drop back a little bit into coverage, at least cover the flats on there. And he's also still a developing player. Um, so outside of the first round, Paul, maybe not even outside of the first round, 
how does how does the rest of your your board stack up and who who are you kind of eyeing as we get into the second and third round i feel like you tour gross mottos he, he is a guy that can be moved around but i think that he would be a tough sell for chris greer to make to stephen ross only because he's been named in a hazing case only because of the history in miami i think he'd be a tough there than he is elsewhere and they definitely need some additional reassurances and interviews with him regarding the hazing case. I don't think it's a big deal, but given the fact that that is a thing, it's you have to look into it and you have to consider the whole Jonathan Martin ripple effect with hazing in Miami. And besides that, I mean, I am a fan of Josh Uche. Um, I don't like to consider Marlon Davidson here. Curtis Weaver is a guy that's kind of flying under some radars still. He's a guy that I'd look at at the bottom end of that second round if he's still there. He, he's somebody that really can get to the quarterback. He can, he can drop into coverage and does a lot better job than he's getting credit for. Um, so he could be an interesting one to watch. And, and I know he's projected as a third or fourth round or so anywhere after that second um, second round pick. I, I, I'd be willing to, to give it a try. Yeah, Weaver is was incredibly productive in college. Thirteen and a half sacks, nineteen and a half tackles for loss. Not not the the best body for a for a defensive end. Um, and he's kind of in between. Is is this guy a power player? But is he a power player at six two, two hundred and sixty five pounds? Weaver is somebody I, I I liked when I watched, and I've liked for a while. I it, but this also intercepts with. Is he going to overlap with Emmanuel Agba and with Shaq Lawson? They they may be playing similar roles there. Um, yeah, you mentioned Josh Uche and Josh Uche and Zach Bond are two of my favorite players here. Uh, you know, once you get outside of the top twenty in this whole draft, too. Um, it, Zach Bond, 6'2", 238 pounds, uh, very very productive at Wisconsin, and he follows that Wisconsin pipeline that the Dolphins have here with Vince Beagle and Andrew Van Ginkle. Uh, if you're looking for your, for a pure edge player, he's not your guy. But at Senior Bowl week, he 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 marketed himself as a pure linebacker and was dropping into coverage. So I think he's somebody that Brian Flores can get really creative with. But incredible instincts for the position. Josh Uche uh, reminds me a lot of former uh, Indianapolis Colt and, and multiple time Pro Bowl Robert Mathis off the edge. Like Bond, he doesn't fit that typical profile, but when he went up against some of these bigger offensive tackles, he went up against Tristan Warps. And I think in terms of power, he, he held his own against him. So I, I think he could possibly be somebody that, that plays a lot. So I, and you also mentioned uh Yeter gross mottos. He's somebody that I, when we did our, our top 26 board, which we'll be updating soon, I had him, I think toward the bottom of that list. And he may have been there again, but, uh, you know, I, again, I think he overlaps with Agba and with, uh, and with Shaq Lawson on the edge. But Gross Matos, one of the highest ceilings in this class, if you ask me. Uh, he can set the edge. He's long. He gives high effort. He's productive. Huge wingspan. Um, my problems with him, he, he doesn't have a great get off. It looks like his feet get stuck in the mud. And he's not really used to using his length at this time. So, you know, Bond and Uche, if they're there at 39, I would certainly consider them. Gross Matos would be a little bit further down on my list. 
Yeah, and another guy I'd, I'd loop in with with that batch of players is probably Bradley and I. He, he's he's better than a lot of people give him credit for, and I know his ranking dropped a little bit at the combine because he ran slow, but you know you watch what he did to Trey Adams, who's expected to get drafted from Washington, and he absolutely destroyed him in that game, and you know used a lot more speed than what he ran at the combine. A developmental prospect for me would be probably Jason Strobridge uh, from North Carolina. He didn't have the most productive year, but he showed a lot of ability throughout the season. And really his numbers don't match up with what you see when you watch his tape. But, and then another guy that I know is a favorite of mine and, and a handful of our listeners out there is Kenny Willikis out of Michigan State. Or Willikis. He, uh, he, I, I don't understand why he's not rated higher to be to be a thousand percent honest here. He has an insane ability to rush the passer and could be a nice little hybrid fit between what we have now and, and a little bit of that that bit we're missing in the pass rush aspect. So he's a guy I would watch as, as the draft wears on. If he's still there in the fourth round, uh, I'd be more than willing to run up to the podium and grab him. I'm right there with you on Willikus. I mean, I think if he's there at the end of the fourth round, he's somebody that can come in and rush the passer from the interior defensive line position, which is which is a need for the Dolphins right now. And yeah, he's 6'4", 264, incredibly productive, but also should see an easier transition than some of these other guys who, who may be struggling with leverage and, and are, are a little bit more a, a project than Willikus. And speaking of that guy, uh, Jabari Zuniga interests me a little bit. He checks all the boxes athletically, but he never quite put it all together at Florida. I don't think he ever had over six sacks in a season. It seems like every time he started to get traction, he would either be very inconsistent or he would get injured. I could see him filling in that that third down interior pass rush role too. Um, even though he's you know he's a good athlete on the outside, but I I think. He, the closer he gets to the football at the line of scrimmage, I, I think the more effective he is. Um, Travis Gibson from uh, Tulsa is somebody I, I watched a couple of games on too, and fits kind of that same mold as, as Zuniga, where he's got long arms. Athletically, he's got it, but but he certainly needs to put it all together. A um, couple of guys that I haven't mentioned I'm, that I'm, I'm a little further down on, uh, and, and I think the team will be too. Julian Aquora from Notre Dame, even though – he, even though he has the physical ability to be a great pass rusher and he showed flashes of that, I think he's somebody who strictly has to win outside of the offensive tackle shoulder pad, running to the outside. That doesn't seem to fit Brian Flores' mold. Same goes for Terrell Lewis. And Terrell Lewis, great size, great speed, not much production, largely because at Alabama he was always hurt. I also think he needs to gain a lot of weight. Not somebody I would really consider until the fourth round or so for either of those guys. And at that point, they're probably going to be gone. Um, Jonathan Greenard, I've watched a lot of him. He's a decent strong side player, but nothing really pops there. And I, somebody like that spending a third round pick, I, I, I think it'd be a waste. Daryl Taylor looks the part. He's got a high ceiling, sets the edge pretty well from Tennessee and um, has, has a little bit of pass rush moves, but, yeah, he's probably going to go somewhere in that third round area, and I'm not willing to spend that draft pick uh, on him. Uh, but you also said Bradley and I, too. I had Bradley and I 16th on my board last time. Love his tape. He's technically sound, physical, but he tested 
very poorly, 4-9-3-40. And then you, you factor in Ogba and Shaq Lawson. I, I've, I've dropped him down significantly. See, and, and that's the thing with, with Anai that, I, that I'm going to point out here for, for our listeners is everything you just said about him is part of why I think Flores is going to love him as, as a player if, if he happens to be within striking distance. The fact that, you know, he may not be the greatest athlete on the planet, but he is just a flat-out football player. And he plays better than the underwear Olympics would score him. And I could see him being a guy that Miami likes. Another guy that we we both talked about already, Zaniga is one of one of the sleepers I've got at this position for this draft because, you know, he was he was out a lot with with an injury with a high ankle sprain. So it's not anything that's you know, oh my God, you know, what else is he hiding injury wise? We will go there though right now. Um, but he also seemed to be a little bit out of position on the interior. I, I like him a lot better coming off the edge. I don't think Florida used him well and the injury. I think that's the only reason why he's rated as low as he is. I think if he had played the whole year and had played with better coaching, I think he'd be a guy we're talking about a lot higher in this draft. So he could be a very good sleeper. Another one I've got out there that I keep coming back to is Chauncey Rivers from Mississippi State. I really, really like his pass rush ability. He came on more and more as the season wore on last year, so he still floats a little bit under radars. But he's another guy that you can get late in the draft that can come in and, and, and have some effect on, on the games early, early, early in his career and maybe be that guy that could take over for some of these, these guys that are on short-term contracts at the moment and, and be your replacement for uh, – you know, a, a number of the different guys, if he can develop the way I think he can. Yeah. And I've got a couple of deep sleepers too. Uh, you know, Alex Highsmith from Charlotte and I've got to give CK Parrott credit for this one here. He's been very, very high on him for a long time. He improved dramatically throughout his three years there at Charlotte and Charlotte's one of those programs that, that seems to be producing a lot more of these players lately. Um, and a guy I peeped out, too, is uh, Bryce Huff out of Memphis. Uh, 6'3", 255 pounds. Plays not only with some power, but also has long arms. So he, he's somebody I could see when we get into that fifth, sixth, seventh round area that, that could come in and, and be a good project for this defense. But, Paul, let's uh, p- play a little bit of a game here with some of these players. We talked about Jason yeah. and Epineza. We'd love, to, we'd love to have them at 26. So I'm going to give you a name. And you tell me which which dra- Dolphins draft pick you would take him with. You'd be comfortable taking him with. So the Dolphins pick in the first round, they pick 5th, 18th, and 26th. In the second round, they pick 39th and 56th. In the third round, they pick 70th. Fourth round, they pick 141. And then they've got several 5th or 3 fifths, uh, what, 1 6th and 3 seventh. So I'm going to give you a name here, um, Zach Bond. The first pick of the second round. Josh Uche. Same. Yeter Gross Matos. 26. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I'm, I was, I'm definitely there with you on, on Bond and Uche. I, I have the same answer. Uh, 39. And I would, with one of these, if 26 was, if they were picked at 26, I probably wouldn't hate it. I think I, I'd be one of the only ones that wouldn't think that's a big reach. 
Uh, Yeet or Gross Matos, I would say 56. I'd be comfortable. Largely, though, because he's going to, because of the overlap with Agba and with Shaq Lawson. So, yeah, and you also. So, and just, just to quantify here as well, I mean, my answers are where I'd be comfortable. Would I love it with a later pick? Of course I would. Um, just like Epineza and, and uh, Chase on, I'd be co- completely comfortable at 18 with either of them. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, and Gross Matos, I say 56, and I, I expect him to be gone by then. I, I, I'd i say it's a coin flip uh, at best that he gets out of the first day. And, and if not, he's going to be one of the top-rated prospects for, for round two. Um, so Bradley and I and Jabari Zuniga, you know, we, we both talked about as, as guys that we like. There's a big gap between 70 and 141. Um, mm-hmm. Would you be willing to pull the trigger on either one of them at 70? Or would you be hoping that they slide to pick 141? It was Zuniga and, and who? Sorry. Bradley and I. Bradley and I. I'd understand making the move there. Um, if I'd be okay with it at the beginning of the third round. I'd prefer the fourth. But I don't want to see another scenario where <clears throat> the Dolphins are completely high on either of these two like they were with Jimmy Graham back during the Parcells time frame and go, uh, we're, we're, we're a little smarter than everybody else. Nobody else is going to like this guy um, between our early pick in the third round and our late pick in the fourth. I'm sure they'll still be there then. Now, would I prefer they drop back or make a move up instead? Yes, but I would be okay at the beginning of the third, even though I'd prefer using that fourth rounder or acquiring a pick somewhere in between for those, those two. Yeah. And there's a big, there's a big gap between those picks. And yeah, I, I would, if Zuniga or an I were the pick at 70, I'd grade, I'd, I'd give that pick a B. If one of them fall that fell down to 141, which is possible uh, given the inconsistent tape of Zuniga and, and the bad measurables of, of an eye, 141, that picks an A-plus all day. And good reference there, too, back to 2010, because Dolphins had the 73rd pick in that draft. The word is that Jimmy Graham was – they were going back and forth between Jimmy Graham and John Jerry. And guess which one they picked? They picked John Jerry. Uh, and then, that paid then, off. Yeah, gosh. Story of our life here. Uh, and then Jimmy Graham goes 95 to the Saints, and the Dolphins' next pick uh, was in the fourth-round pick 119. They pick A.J. Eds, who uh, I don't think ever played it down for the Dolphins at linebacker. So, uh, you know, and also, too, you know, just to add on, I don't mean to go on a trail, but the pick after A.J. Eds was future Hall of Famer Geno Atkins. So not a good scenario there in the middle rounds for the Dolphins 10 years ago. So let's hope – do a little bit better here with some of their selections. Paul, anything else uh, jump out to you at this class or, or, or what you want to have done in the draft for the edge position? There are a couple of linebackers that I know we'll talk about that I do like for their pass rush ability. Uh, we'll talk about in a future show. Um, I, I am probably higher on Chauncey Rivers than some folks out there, which I'm okay with. Uh, Rivers, I would easily take early in the fifth, if not even potentially the fourth. I, I do think he's got that ability um, as far as that goes. I'd prefer the fifth, but again, it, it's sometimes you just got to take the guy 
if you if you believe in them, even if you got to go a little bit early to ensure that you get the guy that you you've got earmarked. So if they don't grab anybody, look for him late. Um, and then Strobridge is another one that I think has better tape than his numbers show. And so I'd keep an eye out for him, and I'd probably put him in the same bucket as far as Chauncey Rivers goes um, for where I would take him. Yeah, and Strobridge and Marlon Davidson uh, both kind of fit that same role. Davidson's projected way higher than Strobridge, but that defensive tackle, defensive end spot, they've shown the ability to do both. So regardless of who the Dolphins take here, it's going to be tougher to get on the field than it was last year. That's for darn sure because yeah. they they picked up, you know, on, on the edge they've they've got uh, Van Noy uh, or wherever he lines up, uh, Vince Beagle, Andrew Van Ginkle, Trent Harris played a lot better toward the end of the year, and he's a good special teamer. Uh, they they shine they sign Ogba and Shaq Lawson on the edges. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tough to get on the field, but uh, the Dolphins can can always draft the best player available. Maybe that's an edge player with one of these picks. That'll do it for our breakdown of the edge spot heading into the 2020 NFL draft. Be sure to check out our our other positional breakdowns as well. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fifth side. Solo D, take us out. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fifth side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fifth side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do.